Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jim White. Jim writes for the Daily Telegraph, but he'll be better known to listeners of this podcast as a United We Stand writer and an author of several Manchester United books. Hello, Jim. Hello, Andy. Um, anything happened this week? Oh, no, it was pretty, pretty dull after the Everton game, wasn't it? I mean, it's been extraordinary. Uh, the, the one thing about United is... You know, it puts everyone else off the front pages, doesn't it? So that, you know, there's Chelsea in the semi-final of the Champions League. The next morning, the papers are just full of Man United news. It is extraordinary. They are, they do operate on a level that is beyond anything else. And, you know, that's part of of the reason why David Moyes failed. He he couldn't come to grips with the scale of the place. United are far, far bigger than Chelsea and City. And you realise it um, on, on days like... Today, I don't recall Roberto Mancini being front leading item on the BBC News at six o'clock when he left last year. It's almost a—it's not an and finally story, but it's a sporting story. But United is is far far bigger. Were you surprised um, that Moyes was sacked in the the way that he was, and how do you think the timing is? Because there started to be chatter last week about him going, but. That tended to be saying that he'd be going at the end of the season. When it happened, it all seemed to move very quickly. It did move quickly, but I think that that is a, a contractual thing. I suspect, I don't know, obviously, but I suspect there was a clause in his contract which said that if you don't qualify for the Champions League, then you can be fired with less compensation uh, than otherwise. And so they were mathematically waiting for that to happen before they would invoke that clause. And you can bet when he signed his contract back in June last year, never in a million years did he think Man United wouldn't be in the Champions League. You know, of course he put his name to a, con- a clause in a contract like that because, you know, yeah, they might have slipped from the top, but out of contention altogether, he couldn't have envisaged that. So I think that is the timing. That is, that is why. I mean, I got... Uh, wind of it uh, almost immediately after the Everton defeat there was a lot of uh, uh, as you say noise in the air um, around it and stuff was leaking out the club so I think people were aware that that was the critical point and the reason why it would have been a critical point was that it was a contractual issue and I'm, I'm sorry I'm, you know we should be talking about great romantic things like winning football matches and so on and in the end it comes down to the small print on a contract yeah it was a spectacular failure wasn't it I mean you said that when Moyes would have signed the contract it would almost be a given that he'd finish in the top four I spoke to Rio Ferdinand at the start of this season on the pre-season tour and I looked back through his quotes last week and he was talking about how he couldn't see anyone outside United City and Chelsea challenging for the top three and at the time, I read them and thought, yeah, he's speaking sense. And you look at them now and think, from champions to seventh, it's a massive, alarming dip. It's just nowhere near good enough, is it? No, and it's, I mean, it's not just, it's not that they're uh, unlucky to be seventh. It's not that, at no point. I mean, there was that brief little rally just before Christmas where they won a couple of games on the bounce, five or six games on the bounce. But since Christmas, it's just been one long, unfortunate, horrible decline, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it really has been uh, a rail crash. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've long been of the opinion that, that managers aren't given enough time generally, but sometimes, you know, you, you realise that the fit is not right and, and you have to move quickly. 
and, and that's happened at other clubs. You know, it moved. It, it happened very quickly for Andre Villas-Boas at Chelsea, and I, and I think it, it it happened with Roy Hodgson at Liverpool. And I think you, you can just see when when everything's going against the manager, like it was for David Moyes, that there is no future for it. It happened with Sam Allardyce at Newcastle as well. I can remember speaking to some people who worked up there. And from the first day, he just didn't fit. And that was the ladies on reception to the groundsman. It's everybody. He just didn't fit. And I've heard various stories about David Moyes, and he was an uncomfortable fit at United, probably despite his best intentions. I do have a degree of sympathy for him because he's not called Sir Alex Ferguson. But... Well, United fans wanted him to succeed because he's the manager of the club. It just didn't look like happening, did it? No, I think there was a... I, I think he... I mean, I, I, I've read quite a lot in this week, as you have, I'm sure, of, of you know stories that you can kind of post-rationalise. But one of the really interesting stories was how he got the job in the first place, which was that he was out shopping uh, with his wife on his day off and he got a text from Ferguson saying, Are you around? Texted him back saying, uh, yeah, it's my day off. He said, come round to the house. And um, Moyes said to his wife, I've got to go to Alex Ferguson's house. Um, uh, I expect he wants to buy a player. He probably thought he wanted to buy Leighton Baines or something. So um, he thought it was a bit odd, you know, normally they deal on the telephone. He goes round to uh, Ferguson's house and Ferguson says to him, I'm retiring, you're the new manager of Manchester United. At no point was he ever kind of, asked you want to be, you know, he was kind of railroaded into it. And I think from the moment he arrived, he thought, should I be here? Am I really the right person for this job? You know, there's a story about on the uh, flight home from uh, um, Greece when they, they just lost to Olympiakos and he was reading a book, a management um, uh, a, a training book saying from good to great. And um, the players sort of caught sight of him reading this book and, you know, gossiped amongst themselves. You know, what, why, is he, why is he sort of uh, not already great, as it were? Why is he having to find out how to become great? And I think that was all part of it. He himself never really believed he was the man for the job. Is he the Wilf McGuinness? And if so, who's the Franco Farrell? Well, this is the very, this is the very interesting point about it, you know. United have had 25 years to make sure that they didn't make the same mess of succession that they made under uh, after uh, Matt Busby left. I, I know it used to haunt Martin Edwards every waking moment, the thought of how they were going to get out of it. You know, Martin Edwards was still around and involved in the club um, when Ferguson first announced his retirement back in 2002. And... The idea that they weren't going to mess it up like they did with Matt Busby was absolutely a prerequisite. And here they are, apparently, doing exactly the same thing. And if David Moyes was Wolf McGuinness, interestingly, Wolf McGuinness lasted 10 months longer than David Moyes. We've always thought that Wolf McGuinness was sort of in one door and out the other. He was 10 months in the job, longer than Moyes. If he is, who is the Franco Farrell? Because one of the things that he's absolutely certain is not all of this that has happened in the last season is David Moyes' fault. There are a lot of issues there. Any match-going Man United fan knows what those issues are. There's issues of an ageing defence. There's issues of a hole where a central midfield should be. 
There's issues of discontent amongst the strikers. There's all sorts of problems. And David Moyes did absolutely nothing in his 10 months in charge to address those problems. They're still there. So whoever comes in is going to be faced with all those issues again. So the idea that getting rid of Moyes is somehow going to make things right again, I think we're, it's a bit of a fantasy. Louis van Gaal and Carlo Ancelotti are the managers are favourites at the moment. Do you have any preference? Do you think either of them are right for Manchester United? Or would you have preferred a Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, fantasy figure if you like, because they, would, they wouldn't likely take the job? Um, I would much prefer uh, uh, Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp for, for this reason. I think that, I think that if, you, if you go down the Ancelotti uh, van Gaal route, you are joining the managerial merry-go-round, aren't you? The idea that either Van Gaal or Ancelotti will still be at Manchester United in 10 years' time is ludicrous. You know, you will be getting a guy who comes in for a couple of years, buys a couple of superstar players, maybe, yeah, maybe wins you a trophy, and then moves on. What you haven't got is that kind of dynastic understanding of what Manchester United is about that comes from somebody being in situ for a long time and I think I think a lot of United fans would have liked to have seen Jurgen Klopp because I think not just because he speaks such fantastic English he just has that kind of sense of what his club is about that you want in a manager you know Louis van Gaal comes in he'll go where am I now Barcelona is it oh, I, oh Bayern Munich oh no it's Man United you know it, it's just part of his CV buffing uh, whereas with Jurgen Klopp, you know, he would live and breathe Man United. But unfortunately, unless it's, of course, a negotiating ploy, he's ruled himself out. What about Ryan Giggs? He, he knows the club better than any of the play, managers that we've mentioned. Is it just too soon for him? Does he need to do a year or two coaching? I'd love Ryan Giggs to be the manager. I'd love the class of 92 to take over. These next four games are going to be great, aren't they? With Nicky Burke, Paul Scholes. All those guys are, are on the bench because they are the embodiment of what we all think of as Manchester United. Never mind these buggers in America and never mind your Malaysian potato chip commercial partners. They are heart and soul Man United. So you want them there. The problem that Giggs has got is that the selection of managers is basically a fickle thing. It's a fashion thing. You basically select the manager who is the opposite of the guy you've just got rid of. And, and, and this is how it always works. You know, if you look through the history of Man United, it's how it worked. Uh, uh, they had uh, Tommy Doherty, who was, you know, too much for loose cannon, so they brought Dave Sexton in, who was a dull bloke, but he was calm and straightforward. He was then so dull, they had to bring back a big personality, so they got Big Ron in. You know, this is the way it operates. So having failed with a man who had no European experience, they're going to go for one of the big beasts of the game. And so that rules Ryan Giggs out. And they've already said that he won't be. But I suspect, I have a suspicion, that if Ryan Giggs stands alongside Louis van Gaal or Ancelotti um, as assistant manager, um, he may be in charge again. We may see him again fairly soon as the sort of stand-in manager. The poor guy might become the Tony Book of Man United. Forever around there for all all of his life. Um, what then happens if Van Gaal and Ancelotti comes in and they don't choose to have Ryan Giggs as their assistant? Managers bring their own men in, as we saw with David Moyes. 
then the club still loses a huge amount of experience. You know, Paul Scholes has, has come back today. He's gone to Carrington. You've got the majority of the class of 92 involved. But in a month's time, they could all equally be gone. Absolutely. And, and, and if they are gone, you know, we're losing that incredible thing about Man United. I mean, you know, that record, is it going back to 1936, is it, that there has always been a homegrown player on the... In the in the first team squad for every match, you know we're gonna lose. We'll lose that if Louis Van Gaal comes in or Carlo Ancelotti comes in, and Ryan Giggs isn't there having a word with them. They will just be looking for superstar temporary um, um, players uh, who reflect their own personality. There will be no forward planning. You're just looking for the next two years uh, when you're around. So every purchase will be ready made and slot in, and to a degree. United need that, but the idea of building from your own resources will disappear, and even more so if um, Giggs and, and, and Skulls aren't found a place in the training. I spoke to some Barcelona fans about Van Gaal and they laughed out loud. He wasn't a popular coach by the end of his time at Camp Now. However, if you would speak to someone like Jose Mourinho um, or some of the players who played under him, Luis Enrique got a huge amount of respect for the way he works as a coach, and he did he did have success as well. It's just whether he's going to come to United. I'm told that he's very keen to come to United. That being in the World Cup with Holland is not a major stumbling block. So we'll see how it unfolds over the next um, a few weeks and months. How did the story unfold when Moyes was sacked to you? For you, you write about United. Were you busy? Yes, just a bit. I, mean, I, had a, I had a glimpse into your world, I think. Uh, uh, I didn't realise there were so many uh, media outlets uh, out there competing for the story. I mean, it was it was crazy. I was getting calls from South Africa. I was getting calls from Hong Kong. Um, I, I was getting calls from uh, North America. So, you know, across time zones, uh, they, were, they were coming in. Um, you know, I got, got a call from Radio Wales. Um, it was the lead story on Radio Wales. Could I come on and comment? Why on earth would BBC Radio Wales be interested in a Manchester United story? Ah, because Ryan Giggs is the manager. There's always an element that you can get, um, you know, for, for, you can get a local angle around Manchester United uh, in some way. It was quite incredible. I mean, a real insight into how big that story is. I mean, you must have, you, you can't have slept for about, three days can you no not for, for several reasons one being a, a young <laughs> a, a young baby I had um, BBC Radio Hereford and Worcestershire and still not worked out what the, their angle was and I couldn't do the interview for them I also had um, well I just spent the whole day on it and I'm still working on it now and there's a bigger American TV uh, station CBNC I think and they said you know is Ryan Griggs the man to take Manchester United <laughs> <laughs> as the presenter said it I could tell that the producer had said into her, it's Giggs, it's Giggs. I'm sorry, Ryan Giggs. You know? <laughs> so there's always moments of, of, of comic. I wonder when Moyes will come out and tell his side of the story, if he ever will. I'm sure that there's a clause in his contract that he can't speak. But at some point, you know, Frank O'Farrell took years and years to talk, but he felt really let down and that there was interference from above and that Frank O'Farrell was a good man and a good manager. And you could say the same about David Moyes. I'd be really interested in what he has to say, but I suspect he, he won't say too much and he'll, he'll get a job at Aston Villa or Newcastle and, and just carry on as he was. Well, his, uh, his statement uh, 
via the uh, League Managers Association was very dignified. Um, there, was, there was no kind of bitterness or recrimination there. Uh, he did say he felt that the... Uh, no, actually, he didn't say it. Uh, Richard Bevan of the League Managers Association said that he felt Manchester United had handled the sacking in a very unprofessional manner. And did they? Uh, did they handle it in an unprofessional manner, in your opinion? Well, yes. I mean, they must have realised how uh, big this story was, and I think that they, they, they delayed too long um, in, in releasing an official statement. I mean, everybody knew uh, within the media uh, that um, he was going by midday on Monday and they didn't release the statement until 8.30 on uh, Tuesday morning. So why, why, why did United do it that way, do you think? Well, I think what, uh, you know, what, what, well, what did happen is that somebody within the organisation um, a very highly placed source within the organisation um, uh, let it be known that it was about to happen. Um, and if that does happen, I think that the club should have been a bit more flexible and ensured that official statements... Well, what was the point of them denying that uh, David Moyes had been sacked? It was a kind of pointless thing, because they knew he, he was about to be. He hadn't been sacked, so there was nothing untruthful about what they said. But he was going to be. And, and, I, and I think it's desperately cruel to the man himself uh, that you're basically speared on every media outlet, um, um, but there isn't a, a, an official statement. I think that is really cruel. I mean, it, it seems to happen more and more in football. You know, it happened to Mark Hughes uh, at City, it happened to Mancini at City. You know, this kind of desperate kind of drip, drip feed of information. Um, that goes on and, and you know uh, it, it came from within the club so the club really ought to get to grips with their communications I think well, so why not tell David Moyes first absolutely absolutely David Moyes needed to be the first person to know um, so why not uh, where's the method in not telling him first well you know th there's a lot of uh, talk about oh you've got New York Stock Exchange, blah, 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 blah. OK, you don't have to make an official announcement, but you need to tell the bloke himself. I mean, it was it was, it was really cruel. And, and I wonder, you know, what damage it would do to David Morris, this. I mean, damage to his personal self-esteem, but in terms of getting jobs, I, you know, you, you said he'll walk into Aston Villa or Newcastle. Really? I wonder. I, you know, I... I well, if you were a Newcastle fan, how thrilled would you be if Mike Ashley said, yep, and your new manager is, uh, is uh, David Moyes? I mean, yeah. it's going to be a hard sell for any uh, chairman, isn't he? So then does he go abroad? Does he rebuild his reputation like, like Steve McLaren did? Learn to speak Dutch English, do a few interviews, and show them... Yeah. Um, I think he, he, he might well have to. Uh, or, you know, everybody, I suppose... Suffered. I mean, look at Graham Taylor had about as bad a, um, a reputation as you could possibly have after he failed with England. He had to go right down into uh, Watford, uh, you know, who were then in the uh, then second division. So, you know, maybe he'll have to he'll have to go down into Preston. Maybe go back there. They'd love him. Well, it's near but, his house. I, I think it's just a real, really, really damaging time for him personally. Okay, Jim, well, thanks for your time. We've got a couple of other guests on this podcast. <laughs>
joined now by Steve Armstrong. Welcome, Steve. You were at Everton on Sunday. How was it? Pretty dismal uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I think we went there with quite high hopes because of recent away form. Um, I think this is probably the one where we thought, you know what, we're going up here against a team that's above us at the table, but we've got um, the momentum with, you know, I think we'd have five, five games without conceding away from home. So, and, and a pretty healthy break between that and our last fixture as well. So, you know, um, that, I think, raised hope at the start of the game when I saw the formation which fitted in with what we've been positive about on it a few times. That was decent. And then when I actually looked and thought, you know what, man for man, I wouldn't swap a solitary Everton player for anybody at United. And then I think what that brought home to Roost and what unfolded on the pitch was just, uh, I guess it was embarrassing really because that wasn't a better team. That were, they were better players or a better team would beat United. That was a team that was better set up, fitter, better coach, better managed that beat United. And that was my biggest concern about the whole thing. And, and it's probably the first time where I thought we weren't just tactically not aware. It's the first time I thought the effort and the commitment and the care just isn't there as well. So I think it was pretty inevitable what followed. Was it the right decision what followed? David Moyes being sacked? Uh, inevitable. Um, I'm, very, I'm, I'm sad in so many other ways. I'm glad, but I'm equally sad. You know, I mean, I think it just it was going to happen purely because of <clears throat> I think enough was enough. Um, I think. The fans had slowly started to diminish, and you know I think we've said on here and in other sort of forms of the media between all of us on at United we stand. I think we all referenced Olympiacos away was when the people on the road started to go, "Hang on, this isn't acceptable." And I think the kick in the teeth at home, where it started for me, was was full, uh, which was another last minute goal against the inferior side, and then that got further cemented with you know pretty humiliating home defeats in more ways than one. To, um, Liverpool and, uh, and again at City both 3-0 um, and I think that there's just too many things that pointed towards change being needed um, in terms of the results and the return from results and performances on the pitch I like I think the fact that it was inevitable I'm just disappointed that the decision making all the way back um, so many decisions that the club have allowed um, to be made have taken place that have contributed to that. You know, we can go all the way back here to, you know, I think Moyes sounded on Warren when he cleared out the backroom team and surrounded himself by people who weren't up to the job. And that was always going to make times of trouble very, very difficult for him. And then even before that, Ferguson and Gill both decided that it was okay to walk out um, for their own, you know, reasons at the same time was totally inappropriate and, and not right. So it's just been a catalogue of error and disaster with the occasional bit of hope, like the away with Leverkusen, a decent run over the four or five straight wins prior to Christmas, um, and then again a bit of recovery in terms of winning, turning it round against Olympiacos, a couple of good wins away. You know, there's always been these little sides, but every time it's one step forward, it's been three or four major ones backwards. So I think it was inevitable in that. But I'm just sad that the decision making, the way the club have handled it, I think it getting out and about, you know. It was inappropriate and unprofessional of United. I think the fact that for the first time, quite possibly in a long time, our club has bowed to player pressure, which does, you know, Gary Neville used the word, you know, it kind of repulses him a little bit, and I'm kind of I'm with him on that. So, yeah, I'm glad that this sort of thing's been come to an end. I feel sorry for Moyes in a number of ways because you know what, he never he didn't deliberately set out to make Manchester United, you know, from champions to where we are now. I'm sure his absolute intentions. We're all well and good, but you know, I 
um, yesterday for exactly the same, same reason that, that, that they hired him. He talked about his honesty, integrity, professionalism, and the, the, the kind of thanked him for that on his way out the door yesterday. So it's almost as if them, in a way, saying, we hired you for this reason. Um, despite the fact that you've delivered on that, it's clearly not good enough. And I think that just points to, you know, pretty bad decision-making all the way back there. So, you know, glad that it's kind of been brought to a conclusion. I'm just sad about the whole episode, to be honest. But I expect better from Manchester United. And what do you expect from now on with United? Ryan Giggs and then? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Um, it, it, interesting this morning that the bookies are already offering quite decent odds on United to take 10 or more points in the final more games. And I think there's loads of people jumping all over that, like, you know, that everything's now rosy in the garden. And really it isn't because, unfortunately, the people who've been quite ultimately you know, Moise has been responsible and held to account for what's going on in the pitch, but ultimately all of the causes that have created this scenario are still at the club. So I think it's still choppy waters for United. In terms of getting straight, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, that Giggs will rally the troops. You know, he's not going to have a clue what to do in terms of managing and, and tactics. And I think what we're going to see is United probably win, probably will win three, if not all four of the, away, of the games that remain. You know, people go on about how great years. Nothing will have changed. Right. What will have changed is those players will suddenly decide that they're going to try harder and work harder and give more commitment to something that, you know, we give our lives and our passion to. And I just think it's, uh, I think that's probably going to wind me up as much, if not more, than what's going on you know, prior to that. So that's why I expect between now till the end of the season. Um, obviously, what we now expect is the usual merry-go-round in terms of the media circus with who comes here, who's going to be here, all this horrible speculation. That I think United actually did really, really well 12 months ago to quell by saying, you know, here's what's happening, off he goes, here's who's coming in a day later. And I think it was quite good that the press never got the opportunity to do that. I think they'll absolutely seize the opportunity this year, and, and until that job is filled, um, you know, we're just going to have paper after paper, website after website. Um, TV after TV show all speculate about who we should be you know you could just see some of the people that are wheeling out already to go and give their opinion on it you know some qualified um, you know sitting there watching Dowie, Tony Cotty and some other player whose name I can't even remember that that you know that, that not so well known in the game whittering on about what's gone wrong you know it just doesn't happen so um, I think that's what we're in for um, and I think it's going to be delayed probably even further by the fact that we've got the World Cup and Obviously, that isn't. I don't think gonna. You know, it's gonna bring. Um, I think that's gonna make the decision process probably slightly more painstaking um, than, it, than it normally is. Unless, of course, United already know what they're gonna do next. Well, they seem to be going for two people. That's Louis Van Gaal and Carlo Ancelotti. Having realised that Jurgen Klopp is not available and Pep Guardiola is not available to them, what's your first reaction when you heard those two names? Um. I think they've both got incredibly good track records, which would suggest that that's already a step up from the decision that they made on Mois, who ultimately came in without a proven track record, certainly at the top level. Um, and it's for that, there was part, I mean, I think when Gary Neville described the decision to appoint Mois, he described it as putting the sense back into football. Um, I did agree with him at the time, because it was quite refreshing to see somebody who'd worked his way through up you know, Division 2 and 3 and or whatever he came from at Preston, you know, he'd taken them up a division, he'd done well there, he'd moved on at Everton and whilst didn't have um, 
success in terms of silverware to show for it. Those Evan fans who were slaughtering him at the weekend, and, you know, you know, and maybe they weren't happy with the way Moyes went about it towards the end of his time after he left. But you know, they've forgotten about a ten years of great service and almost a great contribution. But I think a lot of them have forgotten where where Everton were when he picked them up. So you know, from our point of view, I think that's got to be um, that's got to be something that we you know they they've got to take. Because you're only in Madrid for a year on average, they've had 25 different managers in the last quarter of a century. Because yeah, I can see that. because yeah, the the, the, the president. That to me is one thing when I've kind of done the pros and cons side of it. That is the one thing where I think, yeah, maybe maybe that is something that might make you do it. It'd be interesting to see if they win the European Cup. I think that will put a different spin on it because they will go. Well, you know, I've achieved it. You know, maybe I do move on to the next challenge. Yeah, well, that the, an interesting one. The, the, I'll the, football for a little bit. Maybe he is somebody who, you know, if we are going to get down the old Liverpool route, element of bringing somebody through from coach to assistant and on to the bigger job, well, maybe him sitting there and nurturing and mentoring gigs into that role is, is a possibility. But, um, you know, I do think that United you know, have to get this right and have to be successful quickly with it because I think we proved ourselves very, very. Um, you know, we were willing to be patient and accept that this transition would take some time uh, because of all of those reasons. I don't think this time that's going to wash. I think United need to put a big appointment in there. I think they need to get it right in the transfer situation in the summer. And I think they've then actually got to start turning this in to, look, forget this 7th up to 6th up to 4th and back into the Champions League football. United need to be winning cups and trophies and titles again. couple of points there. Um, I spoke to Gary Neville about the situation and... He was coming at it from the point of view that if Moyes goes, then the the future for British managers is a bleak one. He was very much thinking English-Scottish managers rather than bringing foreign managers in. In terms of Real Madrid, as well as the point about him changing managers all the time, there's also interference from above, and managers don't like that. I spoke recently to um, Carlos Quiroz about when he was at Madrid, and he said... When he was offered the job, he thought first he accepted with his heart and then he realised with his head. So from the outside looking in, you think you're in charge of this brilliant football club, Bernabeu, great city in Madrid, etc. But if you're being told who to play, then you're being undermined in your every decision. The most important thing as being a football manager is surely picking the team that you're paid to be in charge of. And for that reason, I think United is very attractive to someone, even the manager of Real Madrid, because you're given far more power. In theory, you'll be given much more time. I know it didn't work out with David Moyes, but if you're doing a good job, you'll get far more time than you would in Madrid. Madrid is a club where the expectations are so impossibly high, like at Barcelona. You can be winning a game 5-0, but the fans will still boo you if you've not won it in the right way. But you're right, he could still win the treble. He's already won the Copa del Rey. Uh, Madrid are going for the Decima, the 10th 
they've been going for it since 2002, mind. But I sense he's not as happy there. He's got an English assistant manager, Paul Clement, who's done very, very well. He was with him at um, Paris Saint-Germain as well. So when people think he's Real Madrid's manager, how will Manchester United get him? I don't think we should have that much respect for Real Madrid. It's almost like when Real Madrid took United's players pre-Ronaldo, when they took Van Nistelrooy Beckham, and made a big deal of it by saying, we've taken Manchester United's best players. No, United decided to sell both of those players. The only one they took, the only one they took was Cristiano Ronaldo, because they paid top, top dollar and because he wanted to go. But the other lads, Ferguson, was happy to, to sell them. So we've got a few more guests on uh, today, Steve. How do you think the rest of the season will play out? You said United will win the last few matches. What about going to games? You've got the, the monkey bus trip down to Southampton. Yeah, yeah I think it, you know, the, one, the one god that has looked down on us this year and, and, and has given us you know, the, um, you know, the Southampton away in the last day of the season, um, you know, given that what's likely to happen that day with regards to where, I mean, let's face it, wherever the title's going to go that day, we're not going to be happy about it, are we? So we could have been given a better opportunity to get on and enjoy you know, a day out there. So yeah, that'd be brilliant, one day out. Um, certainly, you know, we'll enjoy everything about that trip um, and put the season behind us. You know, I think we'll probably win the three home games that are coming um, and just, you know. But no, enjoy, no European football, no European football next year. That's what it's looking like at the moment. That's a disaster. And, uh, well, I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, um, you know me, me and the missus have been together for ages and ages, and yet I think we've only ever been on holiday twice. She brought some brochures on the other day and that really hit home just how bad things are going to look next year. So God knows I'm going to handle that. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think, um, I, don't, I, you know, I don't even know what position gets us into the Europa League now. I keep hearing it's anything from fifth down to seventh. But if I make the presumption that it's sixth, then it's Tottenham that we've got all over hold on. You know, we've got the chance to do that if we win, if we take sort of 10 or maybe 12 points in the next couple of games. But, you know. It's just been a dreadful season in so many ways. and I'm, I'm just glad that the support, bar the odd little blip, is going to come out of this season, but its dignity is still intact. And do you know what? Morris might be hacked off with his players, and I think rightly so in some cases. I think he might be a bit miffed with the club for a number of reasons. But the one thing that I think he will probably go away respecting hugely is the fact that Manchester United supports, not just on the road, but at Old Trafford, I think a bit superior to, and I think he's shown his appreciation for that more occasion. And I think it's, uh, I think it's only fitting that that, uh, that that is the case. Next guest is John Ashton, a United fan, contributes to United We Stand. Hello, John. You okay? You went to Everton on Sunday. What did you make of it? Teams always do their heads in, in the summer holidays, if you like, and, um, and to be 
outside of on Sunday um, Everton obviously all to fight for and United with a team with, with nothing to play for and it was very very flat Was it the right decision to sack David Moyes? Um, mixed emotions a little bit on this one um, certainly never never wanted him there in the first place but um, you know he, he did get me back in once he was in there eight months sort of ten months whatever it was into the job it's not really a lot of time to put your own stamp on things um, but you know the results just haven't been good enough the performances have been poor um, you know there's no sign that he's getting better in fact if anything it's been getting worse and worse as the season's gone on and it, it's pretty clear um, especially after the statements that have come out from the club and, and from David himself after the you know after, after he's been set that the, the, the dressing room had, uh, had gone um, I don't think the players had any respect for him so yeah I mean he, he goes to my best wishes he's obviously a good bloke um, he's worked hard and, and he's always done you know a lot to, to, to acknowledge particularly the away fans so it leaves my best wishes but uh, yeah I think it was a correct decision Did you think it would be as bad as it's been this year? I don't think you could imagine it in your wildest dreams that you'd, you'd finish seventh I didn't expect us to win the league um, particularly One players have disappointed this season but there has been some bright spots the season's nearly over who would you have as your player of the year um, young, young player of the year I had this discussion earlier on today um, who with? I think young player of the year would be, would be quite straightforward um, has been a bright spot and what's been a pretty bad season I think Moyes has actually managed him quite well you know I think people were obviously expecting that when he broke through he was going to create them performances all season um it was never going to be the case. Obviously, he started to fade a little bit. Moyes took him out of the spotlight and uh, gave him a good rest. So I think that one's quite, quite, quite done and dusted. In terms of the main player here, there's not really a lot to choose from. I also think that I can only think of a couple of players who I think have performed at, at the level you'd kind of expect from, from them sort of players. Um, the first one would be De Gea. Not really put a foot wrong all season, barring the uh, Sunderland Cup game. Uh, it's definitely uh, improving year on year, so he'd he, he probably be my choice. But then also, I'd try to think where we'd be this season without Wayne Rooney. Uh, when you think of, of, of obviously only finishing seventh in the league anyway, um, and he's been sort of instrumental in terms of all the good things we've done this season. So it'd be a toss-up between me for, for the two of them. I don't think either of them have been outstanding, but they've been the, the best of a bad bunch for me. And who's most disappointed out of that bad bunch? Where do you start? Fellaini's obviously been absolutely awful. For £27 million, you expect a hell of a lot more than what he's, what he's done. But um, he's new to the club. So you can possibly forgive him a little bit for that. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly not settled. It's not been a good time to move to a new club. And then some of the senior players have obviously really let the manager down as well. You know, Vidic, his record when he's played this season has been pretty abysmal. Only seems to play when he wants to play. Rio Ferdinand's whole conduct around the old club this season has been appalling, particularly even when he's played, you know, he's, I can't remember the last time he's, he's had 
you know, he's had many good games for United this season. Ever is another one at the end of the season looked absolutely dead on his feet to the point where people are actually glad Buckner's in the team ahead of him. So they, them three would be the stand at once. Michael Cates had an, after last year looking like he was back to his best. I think he's had an awful season. He's a player who, who seems to, um, you know, he's a confidence player and that seems to all be shot. He got a lot of stick in the past for his sideways passing and his backwards passing, but he seems to have gone back to his old ways. And you know, at 31, 32, you wonder if he can ever ever get back to the levels he's been at. Obviously, Van Persie's not been in the team much; he's been in and out. And, Seems like he's been sulking. Valencia's been poor. Ashley Young, terrible again. So yeah, you know, you can pick for any of them. There's certainly a lot more uh, players who've, who've underperformed than those that should have been at the level that they should have been, that's for sure. Who would you like to see United by in the summer? <clears throat> in terms of players? Yeah. You know what, I, I probably don't watch enough football other than United to, to, to make a judgement on, on those sort of players. Um, some of the ones we we touted around and Luke Shaw apparently according to the Guardian today is as good as a, a done deal but it's an awful lot of money for a, an 18 year old left back that's for sure and Tony Cruz obviously is another name that keeps getting banded around he'd obviously be fantastic exactly what we're missing but you know the, the chances I think of prying him away from Bayern Munich to sign for United are quite remote so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to you know pin my hopes on that one a bit too much I think we need another centre half Possibly even a right back. You know, Raphael's another one the player I didn't mention there, but I think he's had quite a poor season, sort of regressed to the, the level he was a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly need two central midfielders. And possibly another wide player as well, so I think it could be a, quite a busy summer in store for, for whoever the new man may be. Mm. Tagawa. Up and down, you know, you see glimpses of him. We was at the, new, the Newcastle game a couple of weeks ago, and the link up play between himself and Matt. Yeah, so like I said, when he when he when he's playing alongside Matty, it shows some glimpses of, of of some talent there. But he's got to do more. Um, he's not scored any goals this season, I don't think. Other than a couple of assists, I think at Newcastle he's not created much either. Um, there's been rumours that he's, he's not been particularly professional this season. I don't know how true those are. Well, I I asked about that because I I do quite a lot of writing for the Japanese media and they said it was a cultural misunderstanding the specific point was about how he turned up late for a flight to Munich a couple of weeks ago right, yeah. and he'd walked through he'd been escorted through security with a, with a thick smile on his face I've certainly heard nothing to say he's a bad egg at all and I've been writing about him every week for two years and speak to people in Japan all the time about him I just think it's a cultural difference where um, he's got a thick smile he walks straight through um, I don't think he was the, the, the interpretation I'm told was wrong I've spoken to two da- Japanese journalists um, about he's, this he's obviously got a lot of talent he, you know you can see he's a good player but he, like I said two years in he, he's not done enough certainly not, not anywhere near the level he was at when he was at Dortmund mm-hmm. um, you never know what, what you know if there's a new manager coming in um, different styles of players suit different footballers so I, I personally would like to see him uh, at the club another season but he's certainly got to do better than he's done this year that's for sure yeah, and his future will hinge on the opinion of the new manager. It'll be as simple as that. Also, it, 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 it's not helped by the fact that his favourite position is probably the position where the, you know, we've got the most talent in there. You know, Mata, Rooney, Kegel, they all like to play the same position. So, you know, unless, unless they can learn to be a little bit more flexible, and he, you know, he likes to play um, for his national side, he plays from the left. I think if he's going to get more games, that's where he's going to have to, have to 
time to adapt and play. That was certainly the plan of David Moyes, but he always said he preferred to play in a central role, so there's a bit of a contradiction there. I mean, had Klopp come in, he would have favoured uh, Kagawa because he knew him and that's how football works. Managers have their own players, but I've got no idea at this moment what the view of Ancelotti or Van Gaal or some of the other potential candidates are with regards to Kagawa or any of the players. I'm sure there'll be some surprises. I think at the start of this season, nobody expected Zahar basically not to feature, having been signed. Managers have their own men. They're going to want to bring their own players in and probably bring their own coaches in as well. I think this is, this is the main problem now of replacing the manager. You could potentially be back to square one like we was last summer. So you get a new manager in, you want to give all the new players, all the old players a chance again. And you know, Mike's obviously had a plan and he's had a new who's going to clear out and who he's going to bring in. Um, you, you start starting from square one again. Um, I don't know whether the new manager's already been sounded out. And um, there's lots of rooms that you, you know, if it's, if it's going to be Van Gaal, he's not going to be able to take over till. Sort of mid July, so you, you just worried a little bit that you know we might end up um, in the same position we was last season. I'm sure that the, the board and the hierarchy of the club don't don't want to get into that situation again. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know who they do buy and, and whether these new players actually in before we even get any manager. And managers bring their own men, and it happens everywhere in football. We, we saw when David Moyes came in; that's the norm. So. I'm seeing like fans having a wish list and saying, "Okay, Van Gaal with Mullenstein coming back, working at gigs, and having uh, Roy Keane taking midfield training. It's just a wish list. It, football just doesn't work like that. Often, not, no, often the number two is a pretty anonymous. Um, you know, the Interesting times. Um, you're looking forward to Norwich finally? I used to like going up there. I was just looking at dates for next season last night to try and plan family time with my wife and around school holidays and stuff like that. And normally I look at Charity Shield, look at the Champions League draw. <laughs> I was sort of marking it down, potential dates, and thinking it doesn't matter anymore as far as United are concerned. No, you might have the second round of the League Cup this year, at least. Yeah, yeah. Now that we've not had for quite some time, so you get two legs there. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, no, um, it's going to be a strange old summer, not one we're used to, but you just have to take it on the chin and get on with it. Um, I 
for the new manager we've got so that you know, they don't have to, we don't have to go through this again. I mean, to be sure they will, I'm not as pessimistic as some are. I don't think the empire's crumbled like people people like to think it is. I think it has just been a blip of a season, but with the right investment. And this time, you know, they, they can't make the same mistakes we did last summer. It's quite honourable to give somebody like Moyes a chance. But this time, they need to, instead of someone who, who they think's got potential, they need a proven manager who's been there, who's won leagues, who's won European Cups. I'm sure that's what they're going to go for this time. So that's it for this podcast. We'll be back next week, probably for the last podcast of the season. United We Stand will be on sale at Old Trafford against Norwich for Ryan Giggs' first match in charge. And we're just finishing off the mag now, so if you have any letters that you want to be included, please send them to us at uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk. Until next week, goodbye.